Welcome back to 60 Seconds in the Microwave. I'm still your host, Will Buckley, and I've got the lovely Alison Hawkins here today from Hawkins & Co. Uh, joining me on the podcast. Alison is from Windsor, Ontario. She's uh, had a really interesting career in the accounting industry, uh, having spent time with PwC before founding or co-founding her own firm with her partner, Jules Hawkins, here back in Windsor, Ontario. Uh, but don't let that define who Alison is. She really has that entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, and as we, we talked through all of her experiences and her background, uh, it was really impressive to see how that entrepreneurial flair really came through to, to stamp its own mark on uh, what made Allison's firm Hawkins & Co. extremely successful as a, a progressive and forward-thinking firm today. Without further ado, let's jump into it. Welcome, Allison, and thank you very much for, for joining me today. Thanks, Will. I'm excited to be here. So please tell us a little bit about who Allison is, uh, what your background is, and what you do today. So I guess uh, if you asked other people, they would say, Allison, she's the accountant. Mm -hmm. But I don't think of myself that way at all. I definitely think of myself as an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. My husband's also my business partner, with ha which has its own benefits and challenges for sure, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on. Mm -hmm. um, but I love, I love what I do. And I think I love what I do because I helped to create it and define what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's been a huge game changer in my life, mm -hmm. for but sure. There's a lot packed in there. A wife, a mother, an entrepreneur. Like there's, there's a lot. So um, I'd love to unpack that with you over the next little while. I guess my first question is going to be around the firm. Um, how long has Hawkins & Co. been around for? And for anyone that... Uh, isn't familiar with the, the professional services world and the world of accounting. Um, do you want to maybe just share a little bit about what it's been like to, to get it up and running as a, as a CPA? So we started Hawkins & Co. five and a half years ago. And the ironic thing is that I actually wasn't supposed to be any part of it. So uh, my partner, who is also my husband, is also a CPA. And he he was looking to leave where he was and do something else. And I said to him, great, I'll get the office all set up. Fast forward, we get everything built out. We get everything set up. I had been working from home at that point. Um, we have two, two boys. And so I was working at home so that I could be with them as well. And then over time, we realized, hey, wait a minute. If we can put our two strengths together, which is you know, the external facing typical public accountant and the internal facing accountant and actually package it into one service offering, we've got something that's a bit of a game changer. And then layer on top of that, the fact that cloud and all the technology started to enable us to do that much more easily. Um, it, it just sort of grew from there. And we're now s almost six years in at 14 staff members and, uh, and really, really enjoying it. Going back to the beginning and that first moment where you just thought to yourself, oh, I'll just help set it up. I'll lend a hand. This will be a short-term thing and then I'll go on to something else. Um, do you want to you maybe share what was going through your minds, that, I guess, that critical junction moment or fork in the road where you had to make a decision to go all into, into the firm going forward and not just be part of the, the setup process? Sure. Well, selfishly, I wanted to be involved in the setup process because I love building and I love construction. Mm -hmm. And 
it wasn't the first time I'd run my own business. The previous times I was much younger and they were on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. But when we started, this was a much smaller scale as well. So what were the, the earlier ventures that ah. you dabbled in? My mom likes to recount the story of me at 10 years old and I made a lot of jewelry and apparently it was quite good. Mm-hmm. And there was a children's clothing store at the top of our street called Little Lords and Little Ladies. And she offhandedly at dinner one night said to me, hey, why don't you take that up the street and see if they'll buy it and sell it in their store, not thinking that I would do anything with it. And so there I was with my Ziploc of all of my jewelry and I had it all labeled. They were called Allison's Originals. Up I walked to the top of the street. I can barely see over the desk, Mm -hmm. right? Will you buy my jewelry? Lo and behold, they bought a whole bunch of my jewelry and I kept supplying them. And then I would look at what are the clothing lines that they're getting in for the next season and match colors and different things that were coming out at 10 years old at 10 years old entrepreneurial from the very yeah. beginning that's and uh <laughs> that's that's a pretty impressive story i mean you hear about the lemonade stand ventures and all of that and that's like that's great but actually going and thinking forward of different seasons and how can i build jewelry for your new season's worth of stock like that's a major entrepreneurial uh, spirit right there it's it was funny because my mom used to go to parties i mean windsor's we like to say it's a a small big town and people would be wearing the jewelry even though it was a children's clothing store it was sophisticated enough that she'd go with and be women wearing necklaces and things what what happened to it where is where are allison's originals today yeah you know it's funny because i think about it sometimes and i'm just so busy now unfortunately that's something that's sort of been put aside Mm -hmm. but I do love that creative side and I've done some painting at points as well and and different things in that vein so that was the first one then they gave me a job when I was 15 and I worked there till I went to university great and then in university one summer I came home and didn't know what I wanted to do didn't really want to be stuck in a job that I was dictated to and so I was a big boater my family were big boaters and there's lots of marinas around here so I started my own boat cleaning business called ship shape with one of my girlfriends and we would go to the marina and clean boats and it was a great it was a great summer because you were outside and got to see all these cool boats and meet lots of people oh that's great yeah they're um they're two great stories so and then starting an accounting firm is obviously very different to both of (laughs) those there's there's a spectrum and I feel like you've done both, both ends of them which is cool um from those early experiences uh, and I guess dabbling in the entrepreneurial world and just following your gut instinct and, and where your creative uh, mindset took you, going into accounting sounds like it's a big change from there. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, I'm one of them myself, like I just fell into accounting. What was, like, was going and becoming an accountant a deliberate decision for you to make? It was a very meandering road. Mm. I started in university doing English literature, came back after my first year and said to my parents, you know, I kind of miss math. And my mom said, nobody misses math. You're in the wrong degree. Mm. So then I went to mathematics and statistics and I was going to become an actuary. And then I sat in class with all the people that were going to become actuaries and wrote some of the exams. And I thought, yeah, I can't do this long term. And my dad, uh, my dad kept harping on me. Um, he ran a business and 
looked at the role that the accountants played and said, you know what, this is a great career choice. He he was a bit traditional. He said it's a great career choice for a woman because it's very flexible. So if you have children, you could do this part time. There would be a lot more flexibility around it for you. Um, and I fought it and I fought it and I fought it because I didn't want to do what my dad thought I should yeah. do. But then it was just like, you know what, it kind of makes sense. Within the day-to-day operations of the firm, is there like a, a nice clean split of uh, responsibilities between yourself and, and Jules? There is. Um, and that has taken, you know, it was definitely not clear the first few years. Um, but interestingly enough, I was recommended by a friend to go and attend um, a program which I've been part of for the last four years called Strategic Coach in Toronto. Mm-hmm. The gentleman that runs it is named Dan Sullivan. Fantastic program. I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say out of that came language around what I'm good at. So they label it unique ability. And through doing some some actual assessments and um, probing deeper into what is my unique ability and what is Joel's unique ability, it's made it much easier for us to split down the middle who does what. So, uh, and it's funny because you think, you know, in your head, I really like that and I really hate this. You assume that everybody feels the same way, but that's not the case at all. And so being able to have the language to have those conversations has made us realize that, you know, I'm good when it's really messy and they need to talk through how are we going to resolve this. Mm -hmm. Jules is fantastic at being able to simplify things and distill them down and, uh, and do it quickly. Yeah, that's, that's great. And then I guess because you have that clean line or clear line um, between areas of responsibility and I, I guess being consistent and staying true to who both of you are and what you're both passionate about, like you said, your team probably resonates off that and feeds off it as well, and it probably creates a really healthy um, workforce. What What's it been like hiring new staff and, and building the team from, I imagine it was just you guys um, starting it out. Like, What's been that journey for over the past five years for recruiting talent and, and building that really positive um, team culture? It's funny. We have uh, a very close friend, Rob, who says hire for attitude, train for skill, fire for example, mm-hmm. and it's really resonated with Jules and I. Um, so we are very, very cautious when we hire new people. And the A number one thing we look for is their attitude. I'm not concerned about them knowing all of the things that they need to know in their job. We'll, we'll teach them that. That's easy. That's content. And have you found that because you fostered such a good culture here, do you find that staff are really engaged and the turnover has been quite low and you've, you've managed to actually progress folks in their own career and give them opportunities to, to like push themselves and develop themselves? Yeah, absolutely. In the um, six years that we've been here, aside from like high school co-ops mm. that obviously are only here for a certain period of time, we've only lost one staff member and we've only fired one staff wow. member and all the rest have stayed and grown with us. And some of them started as high school or college or university co-ops and then they have gone on to to become permanent staff members. And they now are involved in that process because the people that we bring in have to fit with who's already here. I mean, they're the most important people. And so... Uh, 
often for a good chunk of the interview process, Jules and I will stay out of it because I really want an honest answer from the team that's here because they've got, they've got to work with this new person day to day and they better like them. Yeah. And you've also got someone based out in Vancouver as well. Is that, we is, do. That, is that your only remote? It is, it is right now. It's our only remote staff member. So Jacqueline was actually physically here in the office yep. first. Uh, and then she moved out West. Her, her husband was doing his residency and he got matched out there and it was a um, total win for us because at the time we were looking for a staff member um, and Actually, Jacqueline was one of Jules' students. Mm -hmm. So Jules teaches sessional at the U, and that's been a great source of staff for us, for sure. Um, and she was very honest about the fact that she didn't know if she'd be here. And we said, you know what? Totally fine with us. Mm -hmm. Everything's cloud-based. We're fine for you to work remotely if you're good. It's a great way for us to test that out and dip our toe into it, already knowing that you're a really strong staff member and uh, and see where that goes so i wouldn't be surprised if in the next little while we end up with some more staff that are out in vancouver that are supporting jacqueline and the clients that we've grown out there there you go so hawkins and co expanding nationally across canada <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was always uh the intention in some way shape or form uh, and actually about a year in, I dragged Jules to Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, which is, it's a deli, believe it or not, but they have this community of businesses, one of which is a coaching um, a coaching arm where you can go and take courses and they're very, very big on visioning. They do visioning like on a daily basis mm -hmm. in their business. So we went over, Jules and I, to do this visioning exercise and he'll tell you that he thought it was like total hocus pocus and he was basically humoring me. <laughs> yeah, that was, he, that was very nice of him or, or not really. Like, yeah. <laughs> but what happened was in those, I can't remember if it was two or three days we spent over there, we were able to really nail down what were the key things that had to occur in our business to take it where we wanted it to go that would be deal breakers for he individually and myself individually. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for us as as partners, and we actually wrote uh, about a 20-25 page document that all of our staff read before they come in for their interview mm -hmm. um, because it needs to resonate with them. And it's a, essentially a story mm -hmm. of what what the firm feels like, what it looks like, you know, what do clients sense when they walk in the door, what are the services we're offering, what what are you know the amounts of money that we're Mm -hmm. making what are we contributing how are we contributing to our community um and and everything in between and so it's been super clarifying and interestingly enough at the time and i thought this was like totally unbelievable they said to us don't worry about the how of course as accountants you want the you how? go straight for the how, how am I like going yeah with that? this is all great but like tangibly yeah. how does this actually make any sense and what can i expect from the end of it and they said don't worry about the how the jules how. must have hated that he oh must he hated <laughs> that he yeah. hated that he's like Ugh. <laughs> yeah but uh four and a half years five mm -hmm. years after writing it it was meant to be a 10-year vision mm -hmm. we need to write another vision because wow. we've achieved what we had laid out in that pretty close in less than half the time yeah that's great and they told us that would likely happen yeah 
one of the sayings I've heard thrown around before is that if big business started to pay for small business um, and you sort of flip the script on the economy, then uh, those types of economies tend to probably be in a better position to scale more quickly. It feels like there's a trend in certain parts of the world that small business kind of gets overlooked a little bit and isn't necessarily given the freedom or the resources up front to be able to position themselves to to thrive and entrepreneurs the opportunity to go and accomplish what they want to accomplish. What has been your experience here in Canada with your clients um, and and just in the industry in general for for the entrepreneurial spirit here in Canada and what Canada does to support that? You know, there are some fantastic programs for sure. Um, small businesses across or small business centers across uh, Ontario and Canada offer a multitude of programs for real small startups. Mm. But I find it's sort of that that's great. The support for that is fantastic when they really don't know what they know at all. Mm-hmm. But as they get a little bit further on, it's a bit more lacking. And depending on the industry that they're in, the banks and funding is is much harder to get because of the risk profile. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have the history of doing it before, then you've sort of got a double whammy against you. Um, and it definitely comes up in conversations with clients. There are things out there. It's, it's disjointed. You know, if they could, if there was a way to bring all those organizations together that are offering different services and have them um, collaborate, right? Mm -hmm. And use that funding to go further to support small and medium businesses. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like small business as a a segment of the broader um, business community, do you feel like small business is, I guess, a little bit misunderstood and painted with the same brush? Like it sounds like there's a whole variety and spectrum of what small business actually means. Absolutely. Some people that run small businesses are basically buying themselves a job. Yeah. Right. They're not entrepreneurs. They are. They think, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start this so that I have a job. And that's how they think of it. Mm -hmm. And so they don't tend to be the ones that have the growth potential Mm -hmm. the same way as this more entrepreneurial. And it's fantastic. Right. They're still employing people. They're often providing great services, um, but they don't want what comes with growth Mm -hmm. and there's a lot that comes with the growth and it's good and it's bad and it's ugly all of the above Mm -hmm. um and so yeah they do get all lumped together um but there are definitely different tranches of them for sure and do you find when you're when you're doing your onboarding for new clients and your team is doing that like how much of the accounting do you guys find that you're doing up front versus how much of the just understanding and doing good general business coaching and advice and shared learnings um do you have a sense for the, the type of balance between the two of those? Yeah, it's interesting because even the clients that have, and I've had clients say it to me, you know what, I've done this by sheer grit and not completely knowing what I'm doing. And I've gotten to this point where it's extremely successful by anybody's yardstick. And still, I feel like I don't completely understand it from a financial perspective like I have my gut Mm -hmm. and I know that you know I know what my sales are I could tell you that off the top of my head uh, and I know what my key costs are but I feel like there's more in there that that I could dive into and that's where we'll definitely come in and you know set up KPIs and and support them in interpreting that information Mm -hmm. um 
And so at that level, obviously, it's much more sophisticated. But then if it's just a, a new business that's just starting up, it's the real basic, okay, what is accounting? Why should I care? Why do I need it? What's, what does it do for me? Is it just because I have to file a tax return? And we get every every side of that. And so we've developed materials for both ends of it. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I again, I think that's like, that's essentially disrupting the, the traditional accounting firm model, right? Like you're, you're branching out from just the doing your financial statements and tax return and you are, you're like getting really involved in um, helping clients meet what their own goals and expectations are from themselves, even if it's just from the point of defining what those look like. Um, highlights for you in the five years that Hawkins & Co. has been around? Do you have something that rings through as as like a, a top moment or a, a top highlight? I've just had amazing calls from clients out of the blue that mm. have said, you know what, you've really been so transformative and we've just either opened our next location or purchased X or Y and we really couldn't have done it without you. That At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And then this year, I was super fortunate to have received the Professional of the Year Award locally. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> that was pretty... That's a big deal. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to um, give a, a speech? I did. did. I did. <laughs> did I was go? terrified <laughs> because you don't know before you yeah. win it. So you're sitting there with the two other people that are potentially going to win. It's like the Oscars. Yeah. So you're all dressed up. You're sitting at dinner and they open the envelope and your name gets called and you have to walk through a room of a thousand people yeah. and get up. Everyone's watching. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, it was fantastic and humbling and mm-hmm. overwhelming. And again, like we come down to Windsor and, and visit you guys occasionally and, and it's like you can tell that you guys are really proud of the community that you're in. Um, you're fantastic ambassadors for Windsor and small businesses, your, your clients in Windsor. Um, how important is that community feeling and sense of community to both you and, and Jules? It's funny because uh, at 18, I left Windsor and there was no way I was ever moving back. Mm-hmm. Uh, went away to school, came back to, to do my accounting and then immediately left again to Toronto where I met Jules and then to the UK. And all through that piece, still no way I'm ever coming back, ever mm-hmm. coming back. But as you move and you live different places, you start to realize that Windsor is this funny, special little place because... Um, by Canada's standards, it's sort of this armpit of Ontario. And um, I don't know, it has this bad rap because it's Union Car Town. Yeah. But it is the most giving community. It just boggles my mind how uh, compassionate and involved people are in Windsor, even when they don't have a lot to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jules will tell you that he would never live anywhere else now coming from the UK where you can imagine there's the same number of people you know near where Jules lived in the UK as there are in all of Canada to this it's it's a completely different beast and so you can build relationships and support the community and I think in our personal lives too you know I lost my dad at a reasonably young age just as I 
had had our oldest son, Christopher. Mm -hmm. Christopher then had some health challenges. I've had issues with my eyes and almost lost my vision. So navigating all of those health issues and, um, you know, deaths, et cetera, Mm -hmm. you access all these different services and it gives you such a different perspective on the people that are working those, whether it was Christopher in the neonatal intensive care unit at the hospital and everything that goes into that or the services we've accessed since then. And so Jules and I both feel really strongly about giving back and try and be involved in uh, different community organizations. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you've you've triumphed over and navigated through a, a lot of adversity and, it, and Windsor plays a, a big role um, or has been a big part of, of that in your life. Um, what's some advice that you have for, for an entrepreneur that is maybe um, dealing with some other um, s- situations or circumstances outside of their own business to make sure that they stay true to themselves, keep focus on the business side, but also stay true to themselves on the personal side and, and doing what they um, are feeling like they have the freedom to, to pursue what they want to stay true to themselves for in their personal lives. I think as we've grown and as I've just matured as an entrepreneur and a person, uh, you know, I love the quote of, I think it's Richard Branson that said, business opportunities are like buses. There'll be another one coming along mm-hmm. shortly. So if you miss this one, something I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but something like that. And so I would say there have been times where there have been five or six different things that I want to achieve, but the reality is there are only so many hours in a day mm-hmm. and I have two kids and a husband and mm-hmm. family. And I want to also not miss those years with them mm-hmm. days and, and moments with them. And so being able to go, yes, I'm an entrepreneur and I love it and I'm super driven. And yes, do I work too many hours? Probably, but it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Um, but hey, today is not the day to do that, right? Today mm-hmm. I'm sick or my family member sick and that is my A number one priority and where I need to be. And am I always perfect at that? No, mm-hmm. it's for sure a learning process. Yeah. Um, but just trying to be much more conscious of it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And yeah, try and remove yourself from the situation and look at your own situation from a third person or other person's perspective, kind of like that helicopter view of level up sometimes, look down and, and assess, is this really how you want to be dealing with this situation or do you want to um, maybe pivot yourself to, to something else for now that you feel like is going to be um, more rewarding or important to you and your, your core values at that point in time. For sure, because if you're not true to those core values and, and that why for you as a person, mm-hmm. uh, and even if you read our vision for the firm, a lot of the why is about community and, and support and compassion. If you're not living that in your personal life, then I feel like you're a bit of a fraud <laughs> trying yeah. to live it in your business life. Yeah, absolutely. The two, like the they, they mirror themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. So no, that's that's great. Thank you. Um, this is 60 seconds in the microwave. I am going to ask you, Alison, you have 60 seconds. What is the best piece of advice that you would love to give any budding or existing entrepreneur uh, from all your experiences? I would say take that leap right? You don't have to know the how, just know the why and the where you want to get to and, and take that leap. And it's amazing how um, 
things crop up that help you get there. And then be kind to yourself as you're going through it. Give yourself some um, patience and compassion that you would give to other people. Awesome. That's very helpful advice. Thank you very much, Alison, for joining us. I appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing more about Hawkins & Co.'s growth and, and expansion story as it, as it unfolds. Thanks, Will. It's been such a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome.